If you think about it, the next generation of portfolio managers might just wonder why our generation didn't automatically already ask, how are you going to be using the funds and what are your environmental, social and governance policies? Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer with BMO Financial Group. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate, investor, academic, and NGO communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment, business practices, and our world. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. I'm Manju Seal, Head of Sustainable Finance and Capital Markets ESG Lead. Today's topic is the World Bank and how they have been driving innovations in sustainable development through the financial sector for 75 years. Personally, I find their work very exciting. A supranational with 189 member countries, 12,000 projects and offices in over 130 locations, the World Bank Group is a unique global partnership working towards sustainable solutions that reduce poverty and build shared prosperity in developing countries. Our guest today is Heike Reichelt, the Head of Investor Relations and New Product Development at the World Bank. I asked Heike how she came to be at the World Bank in 2000 and how her role has evolved into what she does today. Well, as with many things in life, how I got to the World Bank was a coincidence, or maybe you could say it was meant to be, however you want to look at it. I was working at a German government agency, and I started working there first on project finance, telecommunications projects in Asia, and then I moved on to capital markets. And it was that time that I was approached by someone asking whether I wanted to apply for a new position that was being set up in the World Bank Treasury. Um, that was dedicated to investor relations. So until then, the function of engaging with investors and communicating with investors was done by others. It wasn't a, a, a special dedicated position. So they were setting up a new position. And I applied and uh, I got the job. And at the time, the job was quite different from what it is today. The focus was really on communicating to investors what the financial terms of the debt products were. So talking to them about the coupon, the maturity, the currency, and also about the credit of the World Bank. There was not a lot of conversation about what was done with the money. There was not a lot of conversation around the purpose of the World Bank, but that has really completely changed now. The conversations that we have with investors now are really focused on the purpose of the World Bank, what we do with the money we raise in the capital markets and how we do that. First, I asked Heike to describe the purpose of the World Bank, and we began a discussion on defining sustainable investment. So the World Bank raises funds in the capital markets and uses those funds for sustainable development. We're owned by 189 countries. Those are our shareholders. And the mandate of the World Bank, the sole purpose of the World Bank, is to eradicate extreme poverty and boost shared prosperity in member countries. So we work on a variety of projects and programs, working together with countries to help them 
reach their development targets. And we fund projects in many different areas like education or health or work with governments to transform the transportation sector so that it can become more efficient and cause less pollution, for example. So it's really a broad area of sectors. Um, we have over 10,000 colleagues around the world. Most are based here in he at headquarters in Washington, D.C., but also in countries all around the world working with our uh, member countries, with the governments, to help them achieve their, their development goals. How big is your funding program and what instruments are most commonly issued to raise capital? So the World Bank funds itself in the capital markets, as I mentioned, and we have a funding program of about $50 billion, and we raise that through more than 500 individual transactions every year. The transactions range from smaller sizes of around a million dollars equivalent to larger sizes of four billion or more. We issue bonds in more than 25 different currencies and different maturities and structures as well. It's really based on investor requests and investor demand. Uh, which brings me to my next question. Can you shed some light on the types of buyers of your uh, paper or your issuances? So the World Bank is rated AAA. That's the highest credit rating uh, that an organization can get. So investors who buy our products are really looking for a safe product and a liquid product, something that they can trade in the capital markets. So buyers tend to be organizations such as central banks, pension funds, asset managers, also insurance companies, corporates, bank treasuries, and also retail investors, so individual investors who are looking to find a safe bond investment for their savings. And World Bank is also known for issuing sustainable development bonds. So I'm curious, how does World Bank define today's um, rising interest and discussion around sustainable finance? as well as sustainable development. Is there a difference between the two, or is that World Bank's definition? Well, sustainable development is really um, uh, at the core of what we do. As I mentioned, our mission is to eradicate extreme poverty and boost shared prosperity. And everything that the World Bank does is aligned with the sustainable development goals. And I would define sustainable development as financing projects and programs that meet the needs of today's generation without compromising the needs of future generations. And as I mentioned, we finance projects in different sectors like education, health, projects that protect the environment. And the way it is financed is through bonds in the capital markets, which investors who are interested in sustainable finance can buy. How are projects selected by the World Bank and how are they monitored for impact? I often think that when investors buy World Bank bonds, they're basically taking advantage of the World Bank as a platform. And we are the ones who identify projects, work with the countries to implement the projects and then report back. So the investors themselves don't have to have this type of expertise. It's like they delegate that to the World Bank. And for every single project that we finance, it goes through what we call a project cycle. So we have a country partnership framework. We work together with, in the case of the World Bank, with middle-income countries, and we lay out the, the, the country partnership uh, strategy. 
we identify sectors and projects that we plan to finance. Um, then there are various assessments that are done, uh, appraisals, um, negotiations, and the project then goes to the board for approval. And then it starts with the uh, implementation, and the World Bank provides support. And then towards the end, um, there's a completion and evaluation. So it goes through uh, several steps, and there are milestones that are checked along the way to make sure that things are in track, and if they're not on track, um, that they can be adjusted accordingly so that the project can achieve its intended goals. And so this is when investors are following an ESG investment approach. These are the types of things that they look for in issuers to make sure that there's a, a certain amount of rigor in projects that are financed. So in your role as the head of investor relations for World Bank, what are some predominant sustainable investment styles you're observing today in the socially responsible investing market, which has really uh, grown uh, quite a bit in the last 10, 15 years? Yes, it really has. And I, I think there's it's an evolution. And I like to talk about the ABCs of SRI, ESG, and impact. Just it's an easy way to remember the, the, the differences. Although investment styles are fluid, and often investors um, use all of these styles. But if you think traditionally back to SRI, socially responsible investing, typically that meant avoiding certain sectors in the equity space. For example, avoiding alcohol, tobacco, or gambling. And so that would be the A. The B would be benefit and benefiting stakeholders or benefiting shareholders. So more recently, a lot of emphasis is placed on assessing ESG risks, environmental, social, and governance risks. So recognizing that if you invest in a product, either a bond issued by um, an organization, a company, or equity stock of a corporate you find that if you assess environmental, social, and governance risks, you get a better understanding of the, the, the value of your investment. And you can find ways to reduce risks and seek out opportunities that benefit, so that's the B, your shareholders and your stakeholders. And then the C is impact. And this is something that I think has increased recently that investors are realizing that they can have strategies that focus on exclusion lists or not, or look at best-in-class approaches. They can focus on environmental, social, and governance risks, and they can also find opportunities that contribute beyond their portfolio towards society. And that's really where, where green bonds or labeled bonds come in. So the credit rating, the financial risk is the same as other products by the issuer, but there's additional information on the types of things that the investor is supporting to contribute more broadly to, to society. And many investors, as I said, are in the A, B, and C categories in the approaches that they take. That, yeah, that's a very uh, helpful uh, mnemonic to remember, uh, definitely, for especially if you are uh, beginning to uh, be more involved in the various uh, SRI strategies and products. So recently we are seeing a lot of discussion about uh, transition bonds, from both from Europe as well as Canada. What is World Bank's view about transition bonds, and do you think World Bank would ever consider issuing one? 
So I couldn't tell you what the World Bank view is. I can tell you what my own personal view is. And there has been a lot of discussion about this in the um, sustainable investment community, uh, banks, issuers, as well as investors. And some like the idea of having another label that describes the purpose of a product, and others would like to keep it simple, just keep it green bonds. And if you look at the green bond principles, it's all about transparency. And if the issuer is looking to support activities that help with a transition to a low-carbon economy, one could say that, strictly speaking, it could comply with or it could be in line with the expectations set out by green bond principles. However, others might say that that's not green um, and they wouldn't want it. So at the end of the day, what really matters is that issuers are transparent with investors and describe to them what their approach is, however they label it. In our case, we've decided um, from a strategic perspective that everything that we finance, we could label as sustainable development bonds, and then we could consider that we have this subcategory of green bonds that we introduced a little over 10 years ago to raise awareness for the types of projects and programs that we're financing to help mitigate climate change and help countries adapt to the effects of it. But as I said, some investors uh, do like the specificity of a product and uh, its label and would like to see uh, different labels and others would like to sort of keep things simple just with, with one label. And the same is true for other labels like Blue Bonds, for example. One could say that the projects and programs that Blue Bonds support are also subcategories of green bonds. And then others would say that they'd like to support issuers that are communicating how they're specifically focusing on those areas. So there's really a diff- uh, there's a different views in the market. And my opinion is that conversation and more information and communication is good. And if you um, want to have a label to express that, um, then, then that's fine. One thing that jumps out when talking about the World Bank is how innovative they are and have been over the decades. Heike and I talked about how capital markets are starting to assess risks that are not priced into the market and how the World Bank has innovated to meet this growing trend. Would you be able to share some instances of innovative financing that are examples of large-scale movement of capital, given that World Bank engages with close to 200 countries? Sure. So we, as I mentioned earlier, we can be considered as as a platform for investors. So if investors are interested in supporting sustainable development projects, let's say transportation projects or health projects or the revamping of the education sector in, in a country, they can buy World Bank bonds at scale and we then use those funds to finance these, these types of projects. So I think the whole the way that the World Bank was set up as this platform and other multilateral development banks as well is a very efficient way to raise capital at scale and use it for development. Now obviously we are constrained by our by the amount of capital that we have that we need uh, to, to protect our AAA and how much we can do. So there are other ways that people are thinking of uh, raising financing to, to, to support uh, development. 
you asked about innovation, and yes, the World Bank is is uh, known for innovation. Did you know that we did the first cross currency swap in 1981? That's impressive. In 1981, uh, the World Bank did the first cross-currency swap, and now the swap market is huge. Uh, in 1989, the World Bank did the first ever global bond, and now it's completely normal for everybody to issue global bonds. Um, I don't know if the green bond is an innovation in that in that category, um, but a little over 10 years ago, we, we issued the green bond, which, as I said, has really catalyzed a change in the capital markets. And also more recently, we um, issued a bond on blockchain, and blockchain and other similar uh, technologies are really going to revolutionize the capital markets and uh, provide ways of increased transparency that I think will also change how investors integrate environmental, social, and governance criteria in their investment approaches. The other uh, phrase we hear a lot about, especially through UN and um, a lot of the other folks that are participating in uh, raising capital, is uh, sustainable infrastructure. Uh, Would you help our uh, listeners understand what that means? I think it's uh, sustainable and resilient infrastructure is is a word now. Resilient towards anticipated uh, changes in climate. And sustainable is in a way that um, is protecting the environment in the best possible way. So one project example I can mention is a sustainable transportation project in Colombia that the World Bank financed. It's a bus rapid transport system that was introduced in various cities in Colombia to replace a very chaotic and actually dangerous system that was contributing to high pollution in cities. So the World Bank worked with the government and with other stakeholders in the various cities to introduce a bus rapid transport system that connected communities living in the outskirts of the city to jobs in the city in a sustainable way. It reduced travel time, it reduced traffic fatalities, and reduced pollution. So it's a quite a holistic way of looking at um, changing the transportation sector um, in various cities. And I know that the, the projects were considered models, and uh, I actually went to see those projects and interviewed with stakeholders. And they mentioned that uh, it had been used as a model even for some countries in Europe who were coming to see how it worked and how it was introduced into the communities and um, how it really changed the landscape in those cities. In the, in the topic around reducing poverty, there is obviously now a, a big linkage with uh, climate change. How does World Bank view the issue of climate change today as it stands, and what are some of the impacts you're seeing uh, of climate change as you are also working towards alleviating poverty? I think it's a very good question, and climate change has been a focus of the World Bank for decades, actually, because the effects of climate change are noticed by everybody. We can notice that weather patterns are becoming more extreme and weather's more volatile. But if you think about the ones who suffer most, it's um, populations in countries that are affected by extreme drought or flooding, food price increases, and these are large communities that are very poor and so you know rapid food price increases affects them very much and we're, we're seeing in in some countries flooding causes climate refugees 
And so whole groups of populations move because the place where they lived becomes uninhabitable. And whether it's because of flooding or drought, they look for, for other areas where they, can, where they ha can have a better life. So really, climate change is very, very closely linked to, to poverty. And that's why it's a big focus um, for, for the World Bank and for our projects and programs. And not just working to mitigate climate change, but really helping countries finance resilient infrastructure, so infrastructure that can withstand more extreme weather conditions or more flooding so that roads or, or, or buildings aren't washed away by, by stronger storms. I believe your role is very influential in influencing market participants in how they engage with sustainable finance or how they think about sustainability. What are some ways that you try to bring some of these issues to light and uh, change investor behavior or issue behavior? I mean, I really think that the interest is coming from the investors themselves. And it's about information, engagement. We have seen such a positive response in bonds that we've been issuing to raise awareness for certain sustainable development goals, for example. In investors are keen to find out how they can contribute. And they're doing it in a financial product that's just like other financial products that they have in terms of the, 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 the risk reward. But in addition to that, you know, with World Bank bonds, they can make a contribution towards a better society. And, and I think that with information and transparency, investors can just make, make better decisions. And there is this huge challenge looming, which is that... The financial system is set up on a, on a very sort of strict risk-reward system, but only risks that are priced in. And we have so many external costs that are not priced in. So it's difficult in the existing financial system for investors to make, in quotation marks, the right decision, for, even from a price perspective, because a lot of the risks are not priced in. So it's a matter of, of uncovering those risks, because once others become aware of them. Once perceptions change, that's when prices change. But it's this sort of internalizing external costs, I think, is something that, that the financial system will grapple with going forward for quite some time. You bring a very good point about not pricing in all the risks. So climate risk is one that we often hear about these days. Are there other risks that you're thinking of which are not priced in today? Climate risk is a big one because uh, people can see the effects in their backyard, I say, right? You, we, can, we can all see it. Sometimes people say that social risks are more local. I disagree. I think social risks are, are, are global. And if we can work in ways to, to alleviate inequalities, to give sort of hope and chance and um, access to education to sort of broader groups of the population, I think that would, um, that would solve many problems that we see in the world today. Let's also talk about sustainable development goals, because that is uh, quite uh, central to a lot of the work that you do today at World Bank. Uh, can you share with our listeners what they are and why World Bank thinks they're important? Sure. So the sustainable development goals are 17 goals that the international community agreed to in 2015 with specific targets and metrics. And they're, they're quite broad. Investors are using them as, as, as a framework. And there are 
like I said, 17 goals. The 17th one is about partnerships, but the goals focus on things like climate action, gender equality, good health and well-being, equitable social services, sustainable transport, no poverty and no hunger. Um, so it's a really, it's a broad range of, of social issues that the international community defined as important to, to create better societies, better societies for all. So each country has certain targets and they are measured against those targets. And investors are, are looking at them as a framework and there are publications that show how countries are making progress in the various areas and countries communicate with investors about how they are working to, to achieve those goals. And a big one is climate climate action that's actually in and, and climate is in many of the other goals. So all of the goals you could say are interrelated. For example, life below water or life on land is very connected to, to climate action, as is sustainable cities and some of the other goals like clean water and sanitation or renewable energy. Since the sustainable development goals were announced in 2015 and in four years we have really seen a huge change in the dialogue uh, where even investors are more aware of these goals and uh, they are building products around it. What are some things that World Bank is doing in terms of making products available to, to your investors around SDGs? So our mandate is aligned and our twin goals are aligned with the sustainable development goals. And investors are looking at their portfolios and integrating approaches that focus on the sustainable development goals. So as we engage with investors, we focus on certain types of SDGs that are of interest to the investors. And since our projects and programs support all the goals, we can uh, select projects that fit with the sustainable development goal that an investor would like to, to, to focus on. So as I mentioned, they're, they're interrelated, and we're using this as, a, as an engagement tool to help investors understand how we use the funds, how we work with countries, and also the types of things that, that, that countries are doing. And then there are products that are structured, and I mentioned earlier that we have bonds that are linked to equity indices, and in one specific case, we worked with a bank to develop a product where the coupon, the coupon performance, the return was linked to an equity index with companies that were analyzed by a third party based on how their products and their business support certain sustainable development goals. So that's a way to raise awareness for them. In what ways do you think corporations and financial industry could engage in achieving the SDGs? Are there pathways that you might want to recommend? Yeah, I mean, what I see that uh, corporates are doing is a lot around uh, education. So we recently visited one of our partners in London, and in their lobby, they have the Sustainable Development Goals displayed, and then they pick certain ones to inform their staff about. For example, on that day, it was how to reduce pollution and ways that, that staff can do that. I think that in, in 
looking at their business processes, there's a lot of ways that um, especially, especially companies in the industrial sector can change the way they do business to help achieve um, the sustainable development goals. And, and I'm thinking of sectors like the apparel sector and water use, you know, thinking of ways to, to, to just make the production process more efficient to use less water. So I think there, there's many ways they can do it, either in how they do what they do or doing things differently or change what they do. And education, transparency. I want to thank Heike for all her valuable insights she has shared today. And we'll leave our interview with her inspirational answer to my last question in just a second. Thank you, Heike, for having a deep and meaningful dialogue with me and for demystifying the World Bank for our listeners. I hope you leave this conversation as inspired as I am by all of the work that the World Bank does to make our society and our world a better place. When we talk about solving global issues, many of these are in some ways so complex and in some ways unattainable, or it seems unattainable uh, that whether we will actually be able to reduce poverty completely or whether we will be able to have gender equality truly. For example, uh, one of the statistics we know from World Economic Forum is that it would take about 108 years to get to gender equality at the rate at which we are going today. So in that paradigm, what keeps you going? How do you, you know, seek uh, inspiration and continue to do the work that you do? I think being, I don't want to use the word happy, but um, just recognizing incremental progress. So we can look back and say, you know, things are still not good. But if you look back in history, there's definitely more progress and we should push. And there are people who do it in more radical ways. But I, I think we, sh we should just recognize uh, incremental uh, progress. And in the case of climate change, we could say that we're definitely moving too slowly. And it's frustrating to think back how long we've known. Since the Industrial Re Revolution, we've, we've known that carbon is bad for the atmosphere. Um, so it just makes you wonder, how could we get to where we are today? You know, why do we have to wait until we see it in our backyard to raise the alarm bells? And still we struggle to change the system. We struggle to change how the world of finance works and, and our, you know, can just change things incrementally. I guess just trying to, to, to recognize that a lot of progress has been made in, made in many areas, even though there's still, still a long way to go, and, and try to see the glass half full rather than half empty. Thanks for listening to Sustainability Leaders. This podcast is presented by BMO Financial Group. To access all the resources we discussed in today's episode and to see our other podcasts, visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. You can listen and subscribe free to our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, and we'll greatly appreciate a rating and review and any feedback that you might have. Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative. Until next time, I'm Michael Torrance. Have a great week.
The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. This is not intended to serve as a complete analysis of every material fact regarding any company, industry, strategy, or security. This presentation may contain forward-looking statements. Investors are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such statements as actual results could vary. This presentation is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice, and is not intended as an endorsement of any specific investment product or service. Individual investors should consult with an investment, tax, and or legal professional about their personal situation. Past performance is not indicative of future results.